Hello and welcome to Safe Space, the official Safe in Our World podcast. For those who don't know, the main goal of Safe in Our World is to create and foster worldwide mental health awareness within the video games industry. My name is Rosie and today I am joined by Adam Clark from Game If You Are. Welcome. Yeah, hello. Uh, thank you very much for having me. It's my first ever podcast, so uh, hoping to make a good impression. I know. I feel so honoured that it's your first podcast and also sorry that it's me. <laughs> <laughs> you say that like it's a bad thing, but I mean like at the same time, like this is my, I say first podcast, you're saying honoured and all the rest of it. I'm a very new in- entrant into the games industry, like the whole space. So, oh, me um, too. Don't worry, I, we're in this together. <laughs> yeah, there, there, and there you go. So no need to be worried about anything, really. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, I, I do think it was funny that the first time I met you was um, at Twitch London, but the <laughs> we had a bit of an encounter before because you were volunteering for Safe in Our World um, for the Twitch London event, and mm. I accidentally sent you the wrong address to, to meet mm. up for the VIP event. And then I, I was at dinner and I switched on my, uh, I turned on Twitter and saw that you, you tweeted at me publicly being like, someone needs to get Rosie's ejector direct messages um, <laughs> because I'm a lost Irishman in the middle of London. And when I tell yeah. you, I've never felt so guilty in my entire life. <laughs> uh, no need to feel guilty. It's just one of it's one of those things, you know, just the way it happened. It was funny, but it did offer an interesting experience in that, yes. So for context, I work remotely in the UK industry. I'm actually over in Ireland in a tiny town called Carlow, which for like the best geographical indicator I can use is like southwest of Dublin, because everyone, more, most people know where Dublin is. Um but anyway, yeah, so I was very excited to, because our company is affiliated with Safe in Our World. I work for, yeah, as you said, Game of You Are. And uh, as a result, like I got chatting to yourself, Rosie, through that. And then I learned about this upcoming event. I was like, oh, brilliant, you know, I can finally start doing something to kind of give back to the industry that, you know, I've had such a passion for all my life and all the rest of it. I can start getting engaged and uh, socializing in a gaming aspect in Ireland is hard, particularly when... Like, you know, I suppose the average person like yourself, Rosie, like lives in London, you know, very metropolitan area. I live in the middle of nowhere in like the most remote location. So like my na- my next door neighbor is like a cattle farmer. So that kind of gives you the idea of the company I'm at. And he's not exactly like, I can't exactly chat to him about farming simulator or anything like that. Surprisingly, very little <laughs> he interest. He doesn't need a simulator. He does it for Exactly. He, he lives the farming. But um, anyway, <laughs> yeah, so. Simulator. <laughs> exactly. There you go. So the, the event went off anyway, and I was so excited. So I said, oh yeah, I'm going to go out of my way to attend this. So book me flights, this and that and all the rest of it. So I had a real um, song and dance getting over, but it was all part of the experience. It was very exciting. And then, of course, I land in and I've got a little experience in London, but like I come from a town where I think a population of like 10,000 or something, or a village even. So and I say that I live on the outskirts of that. So very small area where I'm from. So a London by comparison just can be quite, can be a bit overwhelming. Like I've lived in cities before. But uh, just it's especially with COVID and all the rest of it, I've just been, I would say, probably a bit out of practice with it. But uh, yeah, the way that showed up is I knew where to go for this event. I navigated the underground, went to where this event center was, and the loveliest fellow was there, more than willing to help me. And I was there going, there's this Twitch event tonight. And he goes, no, that's tomorrow night. And I was, me... Immediately going into panic mode, I insisted to him that he was wrong about his job and his location (laughs) and that no, in fact, the Twitch event was here tonight and got into a spirited debate with him to the point I think he was starting to second guess himself. But um, eventually, and then that's when I started going on Twitter, going like, or he was like, no, look, I'm pretty sure you've got the wrong place. Something going on tomorrow that might have been moved or something. Then I found myself in a cafe with the the most patient man in the world. I was like, can I, like, he was like, what food do you want? Take a table, this and that. I said, I really just want a coffee. I'm just trying to get my bearings. He said, oh, no problem at all. Got me sorted. And uh, yes, then I put out the public appeal on Twitter, which was a bit <laughs> funny. But uh, it was great because as a result of that, I met uh, Kat, who I ended up working with that evening at the event. So um, I got yes. uh, an early introduction to her. So you know, call it providence, call it luck, whatever. But it ended up working out quite well. And it was a funny story. So It was a funny story. Uh, and the thing yeah. is, just for, for, for extra context, I didn't know that it wasn't at this place until about 
half an hour before I was meant to be there. <laughs> That's very true. So again, yeah, just to, just to clarify, publicly on podcast again, I don't blame you at all. <laughs> it's just, I, just I blame the... me a little bit, but also like, yeah. <laughs> Ah, look, I, I survived and Sherlock it as all I said. works out in the end and it was a lovely intro to Kat so exactly yeah and it was a fun event when when, when we did kick off um, both the Friday and the Saturday very enjoyable so I was very glad to be a part of it yeah I was gonna ask you so like how did you feel about going because that was probably one of my biggest events post-covid that I've been to mm. um, and I don't know how you felt but obviously I was I was a little bit nervous about the whole thing and it's it's always difficult kind of getting back into your comfort zone with events when there's lots of people and mm. and stuff like that and like myself I'm prone to panic attacks so I was like well mm. is it going to be one of those am I <laughs> will it um and so that was kind of going through my mind but what about you I mean because you were traveling as well which adds extra stress that's true um yeah and the the traveling is definitely a bit of an impact where like I'm back at it was my first time well, no, sorry, not, uh, that's not entirely true. It was my second time on a plane since COVID. I had actually traveled briefly before that, and then I was back on the plane flying over. But probably the biggest thing that threw me off, um, A, was fi- or A was learning that Stansted is much further away from London than I had uh, initially anticipated. <laughs> yeah, it's but, quite um, true. <laughs> yeah, but uh, there's trains, so, you know, I got to and back from the end, you know, so it all worked out. But, uh, yeah, that, that was a lesson learned, and like, I was staying with family while I was in London, and I learned you can nearly see City Airport from my aunt's house. So I'm like, well, there you go, I'll, I'll go there in the future. <laughs> but, but I digress. Um, my biggest concern was actually that um, the UK has become a lot more, like, lax uh, in its, like, sort of interactions with COVID and, like, around events and stuff compared to Ireland. Ireland is still very much like, and I think this may have changed in the UK since I've been there, but Ireland is very much when you're on public transport, if you're in any sort of space or anything like that, you have to keep the mask on. Now, of course, it's the exemptions. You're sitting at a table at a restaurant having a meal or whatever, because, you know, you're not going to get food through the physical mask. You can take it off then. It's like, again, there is a bit of leeway. It's not like, you know, every movement you have to have a mask on, but Mm. still a lot sterner than what was being practiced in the UK and probably the thing that really threw me off was when I was traveling around I had a mask on at all times but it was public transport that got me the the hardest because on public transport in Ireland at all times people have to wear a mask and when I was flying over I was wearing a mask I was flying back I was wearing a mask and then I was on the like the underground and the bus and I would say probably one in every like seven or eight people was wearing a mask and it was it was quite I, I was kind of like caught off guard. It's it's become as I say, it's become that new normal for me to go around and like actually be surprised by people not wearing masks rather than by people wearing masks is a bit of an interesting observation, I suppose. But yeah, uh, yeah no, it's to the system, I imagine as well. Like. Yeah, particularly when like I'm so used to masks and all the rest of it, I was admittedly a little uncomfortable. I was there going like, you know, COVID could come back at, at any point, and this was before we knew about the Omicron variant. So hmm. hopefully that sort of just jostled a few people into wearing masks again but i think it's since come back now that in the uk you have to wear masks on public transport just end of if i'm not mistaken yeah i mean london is always meant to be the case um it's just mm. people don't always listen which is very frustrating <laughs> um, i can imagine yeah so to kind of kick this episode off a little bit we always seem to ask our guests about their favorite games both of all time and their current favorite games uh, so that is going to be my question to you <laughs> Oh, a... And I'm definitely going to judge you on your answers. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a tough one. Um, like to say favorite games of all time, and I mean it. It kind of asks the question: What is your favorite game? Is it something that like left a strong enough impact on you? Is it something you replay all the time? Um, you know, like it's 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 a tr- like I get this is me pulling out a former career in politics, like dancing around the question. <laughs> um, but if I were, I think to say. My favorite game, or maybe maybe even favorite series, I think would I would have to say probably Mass Effect, and that's purely because it's the first game I've gotten like physically grafted onto my skin via tattoo, uh, in the form of Legion is my favorite character, uh, who is for those who don't know he like it's a space a space game you know aliens robots all that kind of thing, but uh, effectively he's a robot and he raises the question does does like synthetic life does it deserve autonomy? Uh, do do 
beings that are like man-made do they have souls themselves and it's an interesting experience because i come from a like ireland has a long history of like christian tradition and like we're we're in a modern ireland so we're actually becoming much more agnostic atheist that kind of thing like uh religion has much less sway over Ireland than it did like in the past. And like politically we've had huge overturns in what would be in just, even just the last like 10 years, like gay marriage has been legalized um, like pro-choice legislation has been legalized in Ireland, all that kind of thing. All that to say, I realize I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, but all that to say that like question of spirituality and he even has like the defining line, does this unit have a soul when he's referring to himself? Um, all that to say, like, that's something that really hits me where I'm there, like, you know, you start to wonder about, like, is there anything at the end of life or, like, it does it just end there? And is it okay if it just ends there? And is it okay if there's something else after that? So it's 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 just one of those quotes that kind of got me thinking and it really struck a chord with me, so I got a tattoo. So all that, all that long answer to say, Mass Effect's probably my favourite series of all time. But on top of that, like, I've played a bunch of other games. I play, I love Hollow Knight a bit, so I'll go back and I'll replay that. Uh, mm-hmm. The XCOM series, while I am a save scummer to the end, uh, massive fan of the XCOM series. The moment anything goes wrong, I reload because I make the fatal flaw of making all the soldiers people I know and care about, which you shouldn't <laughs> do in a military game with permadeath. But, you know, but I digress. Um, and just recently now, I've gotten very into it. I've started playing Hades. I really like my roguelites and all the rest of it. And I know Hades has been out for a couple of years. I'm only getting into it now. Just uh, being the budget gamer that I am, I tend to only pick up things when they're on sale, but um, playing through Hades and absolutely loving it. Like, I was expecting just sort of a roguelite, but it's a roguelite with a fantastic story, great characters, great combat, amazing design. Like, the art in the game just blows me away every time. It's man. beautiful, oh, isn't it? Like, a oh fantastic my gosh. experience. So, Everything yeah, you've but- talked about has been, like, stuff that I have wanted to or have started playing. Like, Mass Effect, I was i'm not gonna say bullied into playing but i was heavily coerced into playing and i wanted to Mm. play it um but my laptop just can't really handle games that much um Mm. and so i am waiting to get a proper gaming pc or of the like to be able to play it properly um and really go through it because i really liked what i played but it was so frustrating when it like lags or, or like the, the computer is louder than the game sound and stuff so. oh yeah when you're when your computer sounds like it's about to boot off into the stratosphere yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> i was just like i'm a bit i'm fearful for my ceiling right now if i keep playing this game because it's just gonna go out of it but that's oh yeah that's one i always want to play and i love the sort of narratives that really get you thinking as well like i was a huge mm. philosophy person like philosophy and ethics sort of discussions really really intrigue me and i like having my opinion changed and challenged quite a lot with that sort of thing because I used to be that person who was like no no I totally believe this and then I was introduced to all these different arguments and philosophical debates from like hundreds of years ago and I was like this is so Mm. fascinating Mm. um a lot of people think getting your mind changed is a bad thing but um I think the ability to change your mind based on new information is it's a sign of character rather than like sticking your foot foot into the dirt and going nope that's the way it is blah blah because that's how you get like dogma and you know people just believing things are a set way and that's the end of it you know so i think it's 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 actually a very good characteristic to be able to change your views based on new information or even to consider several points of view i suppose but that's yeah because you could still believe something but empathize or understand or relate to someone else's point of view even if it's totally different to yours because like i think i get that a lot with with different religious debates and things like that as well and i understand where they're coming from it doesn't change my mind but it's good to know what other people think and relate to so you can be a more empathetic and good decent human being right exactly you know this is it doesn't it doesn't take a lot of effort to not be a mean person you know that's something i've learned empathy goes a long way and but then i suppose you know they say there's different types of intelligence and i've never been able to identify what type of intelligence i've quite excel at because i feel kind of silly with a bit with everything but i suppose we all feel that way but um i very much enjoy interacting with people and i believe emotional intelligence is one type of intelligence so if i were to identify any type of intelligence i'm good at i would say that so i might naturally just be sort of empathetic by nature so i've got to understand that maybe other people aren't naturally as empathetic as me but you know it's just one of those it's one of those things as we say it is it is one of those Mm. things but i agree i think you're very very much a people person um and it's very hard not to get along with you (laughs) 
That's true. Um, I w- I used to live in Loughborough. I uh, worked. I have, a, I have a very interesting career history, um, working several jobs I was underqualified for. But at one point, I was an engineer after like a week's training. Um, and a fellow I met there and was briefly friends with, um, time went on and all the rest of you went off and got another job. But uh, he was a massive Dungeons & Dragons head and I hadn't experienced much of Dungeons & Dragons and I learned about it through him. It was very good. But um, he said to me, he's like, yeah, God, you just, you're, you're a really relaxed person. You're very fun to talk to. He's like... And now this probably means more to Dungeons and Dragons fans. He's like, but it's like when if you were a character in Dungeons and Dragons, he's like, you'd have like a plus two to all charisma rolls. And I'm like, I'm going to assume <laughs> plus two is good in that case. <laughs> I also don't play D and D, but it sounds like it's a good thing. <laughs> plus two charisma anywhere is a great it, thing. Exactly, you know. Um, I don't know if it's the accent or just being a very personable person, or maybe a mix of both. I don't know. Definitely, I am. They always, they, I'm often told the Irish accent gets people pretty far, and I've, I've found very little cause to correct people. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. That was a huge part in, in also wanting you to come on the podcast. Like, I think no, it's yeah, incredibly yeah. interesting, but the accent <laughs> is just so nice to listen to. I appreciate that. It's interesting that you mention it, because by Irish standards, I'm actually considered to have quite a light accent. Like, if I speak to... Uh, people in town, um, like in my home town, if I go properly into like Carlow Town, um, I'm considered to almost sound like English by comparison, um, which is not great to hear given the like, <laughs> like the, even in Ireland, of course, there's that whole history there and all the rest of it. But, um, you know, people know, if, people know at the end of the day that I'm Irish, but in certain contexts, like my accent will get stronger. Like if I'm around other Irish people, I suppose it becomes a bit more exaggerated then. Um, I think that's that's a psychological thing that happens to anyone in their accent when they're speaking to other people. With yes, their accent. absolutely. When I go home, my Yorkshire accent comes out a lot more. Um, and it's always really interesting because then I come back to London and everyone's like, oh, you sound a bit more Yorkshire than you usually do. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think I would say, have you seen Hot Fuzz? I have. It's one of my all-time favourite movies. I was going to say, you're like the first translator for Hot Fuzz. Then. Yeah, there you go. I, and that's that's <laughs> probably a fairly accurate place to position myself, where like you can still pick up the accent. But it, and like I have literally worked as that. I've had friends from England over to Ireland, and like I used to have this taxi driver, and like I have a Carlo accent, and this taxi driver has a Carlo accent. So, um, <laughs> like I get in the taxi with uh, my friend Danish, who was from Pakistan originally, but like speaks English fluently with like a pro- an American accent. I think he learned from an American teacher, but we yeah. get in the car and I'm like, oh, well, Jimmy, we're just heading out to the house there. And you turn around, oh, well, and who's this now? How are you getting on? And my friend was just sta- standing there and like, or sitting there rather in stunned silence. And it was like hot fuzz. I turned around, I said, uh, he's asking, what's your name? How are you getting on? All that kind of thing. <laughs> and I ended up sort of acting as the interpreter. You're mad, like the taxi driver could understand him fine, but I had to interpret what he was saying to him. So a fun experience. But yeah, I've accepted my lot in life as midway Irishman, I suppose. I think that's a good place to be in. It's convenient. Yeah. Especially I since you I work really in the UK. On as well if you needed to. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and again, my accent comes out a lot stronger when I'm speaking to other Irish people, I suppose. But, yeah, when needs be, I can drop heavily into the accent. But, thankfully, there's not too many needs for me to drop into a heavy <laughs> accent unless, I guess, I'm at an event or something with just other Irish people. But, that, again, that just goes back to me relaxing. But, yeah, no, you, you were very upfront about bringing me on like a lot because of my accent and I'm totally okay with that you know it, it gains me certain advantages and I'll just accept that for one <laughs> no all jokes aside I think you've got a fascinating um point of view from the games world which we are going to talk about as well like we are going to get mm. past the accent as well but um <laughs> but no I am just a sucker for Irish accents that is great <laughs> yeah it's 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 pretty common we're one of the more popular accents out there and then to, to dwell on it lastly, like whatever, however nice uh, an Irish accent is, if you go into Northern Ireland, the Northern Ireland accent, I believe, was voted like the world's sexiest accent. So my accent is nice. But then, you know, you go up north and you hear, what are you doing there now? For whatever reason, that just drives people <laughs> mad there. They go crazy for it. And it's a lovely accent. And I have plenty of friends up in the north. So it's one I like hearing. But um, yeah, accents are fun. <laughs> they are fun. You're right. <laughs> and I'm sorry for everyone else listening who has to go from your accent to mine, because <laughs> I don't think mine's quite as fun. I know. I love I love a good English accent. It's very charming. Oh, and it's it is... very boring, isn't it? <laughs> I know. I think it's I think it's nice. I know. I don't think there's any accent that is particularly boring. But then, like, I have a background in like giving speeches and like politics and 
presenting. I was I did lecturing at one point. So I think voice is just something I'm interested in in general. It's very rare that I hear an accent that I don't like. And even in England, and Ireland is very much the same. It's something I like in England is how diverse the accent is. Like you've been hearing an accent um, in like one part of London and then you'll go like, you'll take like two train stops and you'll hear like slight variations of that accent based just purely on the area you're in in London. And that's yeah. not even to get along with like the different areas that you're in like outside of London, say you go from like Loughborough to Leicestershire, um, to, to like, which I always called Loughborough, by the way, because that's how we pronounce that. And they laughed at mm. me for the first like few weeks. But then yeah, eventually I, I learned to say Loughborough. Um, but like even you go from Loughborough to Leicester and or Leicestershire, no, it is Leicester, Leicester City. Um, like the accent changes again. And it's it's it, 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 it must just be a small country thing, but it's very interesting nonetheless. And like that kind of you can trace that back, I'm sure, to like, you know, um, like where towns and villages first started and grew into cities and all the rest of it. And of course, since people are all living separately and not interacting as much, these dialects sort of evolved all on their own. And now people interact. Like, I mean, even Ireland, like we have the English language, like we do speak Irish as well. But even in English, we don't speak technically. We don't speak English. We speak uh, Hiberno English, which is just English. But like the way we speak some phrases and all the rest of it is actually informed by like how the Irish language is spoken. I can't, and as I say that, and as interesting as that sounds, I can't think of any examples. <laughs> I was just about to ask you for an example, because that is interesting. But um, it, it's it interesting to hear how it has, infor like, this is me going into my history degree, but even in like the early times of like America being settled, I'm sort of talking, I suppose, sort of early <laughs> 1900s, I'm really, yeah, so late, late American settler, but like in that big push where people all, the, all over the world were flocking to America, the sort of period where you had, you know, no black people, no Irish, that kind of thing. Um, as a result of that, uh, black people and Irish people actually sort of lived in the same communities and ghettos together. And if you've ever heard the phrase in like, um, I think Ebonics is the term, forgive me if that's not correct, uh, but uh, do you dig it? If you've ever heard that from like movies set in the 70s or 80s. Mm. Uh, do you dig it? Meaning, like, do you do you or do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. That is actually originates from uh, that sort of English language mixing with the Irish language because um, do you understand in Irish is on Dwigan two a, so on Dwigan two a became do you dig it through those two communities intermixing. Um, oh, that's awesome. It's a little fun fact as well, because I have a lot of I meet a lot of American people like, oh, I'm Irish and this and that. And absolutely, you probably are like we we spread like rabbits as a result of I'm sorry, I'm just going pure history here. We spread like rabbits <laughs> really as a result of emigrating from the famine. But what's more interesting is what a lot of people, a lot of Americans don't realize is that a lot of our or like a lot of or I would say black communities actually have more commonly have Irish ancestry than actually many white people like of course a lot of people in general have irish ancestry in some way over in america because we had like a million people emigrate over at one point as a result of the um the irish famine but um yeah there's those numbers are actually a lot higher statistically i believe in black communities now i don't don't quote beyond that i don't have a source to back that up and like we're, we're talking so i can't exactly like throw so i can't like use <laughs> a source like copy and paste it in i mean you but, don't uh, have a source and a date on I you know. right now unbelievable oh, i tell you but um yeah just again i learned history in college so somewhat biased to be very interested by it but anyway no, we should probably we talk more about video games rather than me going <laughs> into the history it's language and like the origin of words and all that always captures my interest and then if there's an irish connection to it all the better you know we're very proud people <laughs> yeah, no absolutely i mean i i find that super fascinating as well um mm. Oh, that's and so like because you've done so many interesting things and that's what I think also brought me on to to ask you to be on the podcast because you've been you work within the games industry but that's relatively recent you've done mm. history um you've done politics mm. and then you have your own personal motivations for getting into the games as well that's true um yeah my career path is a bit interesting as I said I've worked bunch of different retail jobs one or two have gone under while i've been there i'd like to think that that's not related to me um yeah well, one's a coincidence to use a pattern right <laughs> oh yeah well, in that case we're looking at pattern oh dear um <laughs> yeah i've worked in warehouses i've worked retail i've done politics uh engineering lecturing yeah I've, it, and like i'm 27 i've had but it's more just like 
it's less like, oh, I'm going to go off and do this. And this, it's just more, it's always kind of been a case of this is where the work is and I needed work, you know, I needed to pay rent and feed myself. So I've had a very a diverse career as a result of that. I probably will touch a bit more into the politics because um, I used to work for an organisation called the Union of Students in Ireland, which the English equivalent, I believe, is the National Union of Students, NUS. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we operate somewhat differently where, as I understand it, I'm not sure how NUS operates um, completely, but generally, if you run a students' union in England, as I understand it, it's sort of a volunteer thing, whereas in Ireland, it's generally a paid position as in you work it as a career but I'll I'll go into that for like later that that's that's a topic for further down the podcast I suppose um but yeah I don't know if you want to include this in the podcast as well or not but I technically I also had a very brief career in crime somewhat against my will but uh, that was just a, a a funny story from a holiday where I ended up becoming friends with like a local gang um who again really liked the Irish accent and I just hung out with them because I had no one else to hang out with <laughs> So, maybe um, i shouldn't be let, let's rewind a second <laughs> so, yeah you 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 became it's my part of a, a crime gang well it's my it's my sort of like claim to it's my fun <laughs> fact about yourself for the rest of my life and i should preface this by saying i engaged in no criminal activity i didn't do anything like that i'm just a, i'm a honorary member of a mexican street gang where uh, i used i lived very briefly in los angeles i was over there on a work visa whole bunch of stuff about like going over for a relationship that didn't work out yada yada head wasn't in the best space found a hostel got set up but couldn't find it asked a guy for directions got on well with him he invited me to a house party next thing i knew i went into a house party and lots of very intimidating men with tattoos and loud music and uh, several illicit substances and weapons and me immediately going well in my head going well you know if you if you like freak out now they'll probably like murder you or something me not knowing that they were actually fairly chill guys so i just played along and went oh this looks like blah 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 blah." but i was like 20 and i didn't drink or anything uh or at least i didn't drink in america because it was illegal but um again i'd just been like dumped quite badly and i was i was there like i want to make friends and you know socialize and these guys crime aside were actually quite nice uh and i became so just like for for the few months i was there i became friends uh, with this uh, like local gang and I guess, I don't know, maybe I had their protection or something. A guy tried to mug me once and he ran away when he heard my accent. I, don't, I still don't understand what happened to that day. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the, just, yeah, weird encounter. But then when it t- came time to came, come home, they like said they'd make me an honorary member of the gang. For what good that is, I'm not sure if that's like documented anywhere. <laughs> I was going to say, like, if you go back, will they know who you are? <laughs> they'll, they'll see me and like, it'll, it'll be like I never left, you know? But um <laughs> Yeah, that's my claim to fame is that I accidentally joined a gang and they were pretty nice guys and I didn't commit any crimes. I cannot stress that enough. <laughs> For legal reasons. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, I didn't yeah, no. see that coming. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I like to work it into my like career path. Oh yeah, I was briefly involved in crime and then that gets that story going. Yeah, maybe don't but, um, put that one on your CV. <laughs> yeah, no, I tend to avoid. Well, it's not really relevant to any of the roles I'm applying to these days anyway. You know? um, <laughs> Um, you know, muscle and like, you know, protection and try to think of all these crime based things that sound cool. But no, again, didn't do any of that. But I uh, know you mentioned um, sort of my driving interest for getting into the gaming industry. Yes. And the big re- there's I suppose there's two key reasons for it. And key reason one is ever I think before I could walk, I was playing video games like my dad got uh, my dad had a uh, Sega Mega Drive. And even though I probably didn't know what I was playing or which ways, I'm pretty sure I was playing Judge Dredd, which like a two-year-old shouldn't have been playing. Um, even though I don't know, didn't know which way it was up, I was still like playing away the console and hitting buttons and having a great time. And then that evolved into me getting a PlayStation for Christmas and playing a bunch of different games on that and really properly falling in love with video games. And again, I need to stress, I live very remotely. So the only time I ever got to socialize was uh, in school. So as a result of that, video games ended up kind of taking a very near and dear place in my heart just because, like, it was very hard for me to talk to people otherwise, you know, and then at that, like, video games started getting popular. And then all this, for a very, very very brief period, um, I'd get to go over to other kids' houses if they were stuck on video games because they knew that, like, I was the guy who knew how to get past a hard level or beat this tricky boss or whatever. So, like, here and there, I had actual, like, 
bouts of popularity when when it was convenient for people so it was an interesting experience but um yeah so as a result of that like all through my life i played video games and i was very passionate about them but that also applied to my sisters uh who are also big gamers to this day but um my older sister rebecca uh she was born with a learning disability uh which it's like she's the most lovely girl you'll ever meet of course i'm her biggest fan you'll learn very quickly uh most lovely girl you'll ever meet uh she just it can take her a little while to kind of understand things and you're explaining concepts to her uh she can just be a little slow to take it up so you just have to be patient uh she goes to like a special center she hangs out with uh other people with like learning disabilities or physical disabilities um it's this um center called the delta center in our hometown in carlo which is like one of the best I think modern facilities for people with special needs and it's so just by like pure chance it exists in our hometown but uh, it's this amazing center that does a fantastic work so i can never shout give them enough shout outs but anyway becky is probably even a bigger gamer than i am and you mentioned gaming on your laptop and it being difficult uh, i work from my pc at home that i built a few years back and it's i would call it mid-range my sister does a lot of gaming on her laptop and she very recently got into final fantasy 14 and my parents aren't don't really know too much about video games they've always supported us but they're like oh you know your eyes will go square and all those things you hear <laughs> yeah um, exactly one of the things they don't understand really is the sense of community uh that exists in just the world of video games when you play a game with people like i had a group of friends i used to play left 4 dead 2 with never met any of them in real life but for years and years i played with them and had some like great evenings just shooting zombies together and chatting about anything as we did it and my sister's finally starting to explore that and i always encourage her uh, whether it's this or comic-con or anything like that i always strongly encourage her to go and like get involved in these communities and all the rest of it because it gives her an opportunity to engage with people where they're not treating her different because she has a learning disability um and it gives her like her social skills have improved dramatically and her and my parents always go oh well that's a result of the delta center and it absolutely does play a part in that but i think they don't realize just how much her social skills have improved by her being able to interact with people in a sort of non-judgmental environment where the focus isn't about anyone's disability the focus is the focus is about sitting there and playing a game and everyone working together to take down a boss or to like find this rare item or whatever the case may be and because that sense of community is so important to her i've started like letting her use my pc because she's the same problem as you where she tries to play ff14 on this little laptop and god love her she's so dedicated to it she loves every second of it but it's like it's like three frames a second oh, no. or something uh so i started giving her my personal my 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 office computer to play games i say office computer i work remotely so it's just my normal computer um so she'll come into my room in the evenings now and play final fantasy and just like engage with that community and she'll just have the best fun of her life it always just makes me so happy i'm a very like i'm her younger brother but i'm also her carer so she just like i have a very unique relationship with her as a result i suppose yeah. um but yeah, so she means a lot to me. It always makes me very happy to see her happy. So she loved Final Fantasy growing up. She's mad about... She knows more about Pokemon than I think anyone in existence. Where, <laughs> like, she'll come to me and she'll be like, do you remember, you know, that Pokemon, you know, Subagavajou or whatever, who has the three feet and 20 eyes and he can summon black holes that devour the earth or whatever. And I'm like, no. And like, but like... Like every Pokemon, every detail, every game, like you can just ask her anything and boom. like if she's an interest in something, she'll be able to tell you anything about it. Like she's telling me all about FF14 now and I'm learning about like artificers and I think there's new classes since this DLC came out called like Reaper and I don't know, some sort of doctor that shoots people. I don't know. Was, I, I unfortunately don't play FF14 myself. Big fan of the Fantasy series. <laughs> yeah. I'm just not, just not much of an MMO guy. Ironically, I do a lot of my like I do a lot of my socializing, even though I talk about how difficult it's been in the past and all the rest. Since I've grown up and become an adult and, you know, can kind of manage my affairs a bit better, my social life is a lot more in person these days. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so as a result, all that to say, um, I wanted to get into gaming largely due to personal interest. And, like, I went and I studied marketing so that I could specifically 
uh, do marketing for video games because I don't know the first thing about code, but like I like talking about things and marketing is, if not if nothing else, is talking about video games and why you like them and why they're so cool. So it's why it's kind of why I went down that path. I'd love to get into writing as well, but um, that's that's I think that's a project for down the road. For now, I'm very interested in learning about marketing and sort of exploring that from like the business angle. But um, so there's that. And then as well as that, video games have done a lot for my sister as well. Uh, in terms of helping her to come out of her shell, uh, to make new friends, and really just to, like, I guess, elevate and become, like, a person I never expected her to be. And, like, it carries over in her day-to-day life as well, where she's able to socialize so much better. She's off and she's trying to achieve things. Like, she got her... She got her LCA, which, in Ireland, I think it would be the equivalent of... um, It's what people in England... I know there's lots of, like, apprenticeship programs in England... Um, it would be the equivalent of qualifying to be able to do those apprenticeship programs, which okay. was a huge deal for her because it's so hard for someone with a learning disability to get to that level of education. So um, I think like, and again, she's, she's, she's so passionate about video games. Like they inform a lot of things she does and like she, you'll even interact with her and like sometimes some of the things she says, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm talking to a character in a video game where she'll react in specific ways or like act like a character would. Now it's, it always, it always can makes me go, oh, that kind of thing. But like, like they're her world and she's my world. So as a result of that, I figured like the natural step was to go into the world of gaming. So yeah, uh, yeah in, 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 in long, and so I was applying for jobs left, right and center once I finished my master's degree. And uh, then yeah, Game If You Are, to my shock, um, offered me an interview and then to even further shock offered me a position so that's where I ended up where I am now today where I've been in the job about six months and I'm loving it so yeah that's so nice I, I really I love it when people talk about the kind of the power of video games it's beyond just pure enjoyment and stuff because obviously that's a mm. huge part of why people play it right but when it has like real life impacts with people and you can see people literally growing because of it and and gaining confidence and becoming a mm. someone more you know what i mean exactly. it's um yeah it's amazing well, I'm, I'm right there with you i mean it's probably in spite of my parents that i like push that line so hard <laughs> like again love my parents they just never grew up with video games uh so like they'll be like oh, i don't see the value of video games and i'm there like trying to make the argument that you know video games are this whole new form of media it ended up being like my undergrad thesis when i was doing english and history I took like a historical review of video games and sort of said these are the these are like the modern novel and they need to be treated as such and looking at all these different ways they can become an end like the smallest one person team can make them or like a hundred people studio can make the next big thing or whatever it's just you know it's the modern it's the modern art form and I was explaining that to a bunch of people who like read Ulysses religiously and were like 70 so they were not super keen on my argument but <laughs> still, I still got like I still got like a first class honors on that thesis so you know I think they, oh, they some, some, some of it thank you some of it must have sunk through anyway but um yeah, yeah so I, I always try and explain it to people as if it's just a film that you're playing yeah a lot like, of the time I've been trying to encourage my mum, or rather, I well, say, um, at least I could try to bring her into the world of video games a little bit. She knows it's our hobby and our passion, but she can sometimes switch off if you're talking about, oh, yeah, this fighting game and, you know, you can unleash this combo or whatever. Uh, but my mum loves reading. And so and she loves crime dramas specifically. I'll go in and she's always watching NCIS or um, any other crime drama. They've all jumped out of my head um csi although uh, anything with a bunch of letters in it really oh yeah uh, my mom eats at a rizzolian isles she loves rizzolian isles all that kind of thing and so i had recently played disco elysium uh amazing game fantastic riding and just overall one of like the most like mind-boggling experiences like one of the few games that i'm like actually crying at points where i'm playing it like it has that heavy of an emotional impact but in a nutshell the story is about like a day in the life of this policeman and now he's woken up with amnesia and it's a big part of the game and all the rest of it. But functionally, the main thing you're trying to do in this game is solve a murder. And so I'm there like, oh, crime, murder, mystery. There is sort of an angle I can come and get my mum engaged with this kind of thing with. Um, and so I would be like, we go walking our dogs in the morning uh, and I'd be like just telling her the story of Disco Elysium. And she she actually got like very interested and she was looking for updates. Now, I don't think she'll ever pick it up and play it for herself. I'd love it if she did. I think she really would enjoy it. Um, but now, like, as I've gotten older, as you say, like I'm beginning to kind of find angles to kind of 
bring my parents more into my world, as it were. Um, still, still trying with my dad. Even like he mad about football, does not like FIFA. Um, I gave him a VR headset the other day because I I got it from the company. I was testing it out and making sure everything worked, and he was looking. He was very impressed by that. So maybe that's an angle I can approach. I don't know. I'm still playing around with it. That's but, the thing. Um, like, there's such a variety in games that everyone will have something that they're interested in, even if they don't know it yet. And like yeah. with with some of my friends, um, who one of my best friends plays a lot of PS2 games and like old games for the nostalgia, I guess. Mm, mm. Um, and she has recently become very interested in games because I talk about them so much and I've told her the story. And she's actually become really invested because she's very heavily into a good narrative. She loves books, like that sort of thing. So when I'm telling her about stories, like I was telling her about The Last of Us, I've convinced her to buy a PlayStation so that she can play it herself because actually she would find it really interesting. And um, she's watched other people play story games like that. And that's Mm. what's drawn her in, which is what sort of what happened to me as well like I used to watch my brother play because I didn't think I had that much of an interest in it and then when I watched him play I felt like I was part of it and I wanted to know what happened next and all of this Mm. sort of stuff and you get that kind of dopamine in a different way and then the same thing with my parents like the one thing that kind of brought us together with games was the Wii (laughs) we had the Wii Mm. Fit Mm. I don't know if you ever had the Wii Fit but no, oh, yeah, I think I think the Wii Fit phase was something a lot of families went through. Because yeah. my mum and my dad got very into that for like a week. Uh, but I was there like, oh wow, you know, they're taking an interest in games at all. You know, this is this is incredible. Um but yeah, then like both of my parents are big into fitness, so I suppose it makes sense, you know. So Oh, um, my parents yeah. not so much, but they um my dad well, my dad loves Mario Kart. And he oh, played cool. with, we used to play with my German exchange student, because <laughs> uh, oh, right. the worldwide version. So me, my dad, and Jenny, my German exchange student, would just sit and play Mario Kart together. And it was actually really <laughs> nice. Um, and then he got like really into it and had to complete everything with like a gold standard little medal that came with it or the trophy. And I think that's where it set in. And then he got really into like little golf games and stuff. And I think that came from on his ipad and i think that came from the wii because uh wii sports and the golf on yeah. there he honestly he loved it um and uh, like one wii of my Sport, memories from wii that sports is like, was a revolutionary experience God, wasn't it <laughs> and like on the wii fit board i remember there was like a balancing one where you're a bubble yeah and uh God, oh I just God. remember it really well. Um, you, um, my my parents were so into it, and I I missed that because that's a huge part because they were never interested in before. Like they didn't care about Animal Crossing on DS or whatever. Understandably, yeah. you know, they had they had I stuff have, to do. <laughs> but I have I have one point. Now you mentioned it, I'm like I have a public forum. I have the opportunity to say this about something about We Fit specifically. That like it's 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 a burning discussion. Me and my sister have. We're like, God, this would have been way better. Just in Super Smash Brothers, when they announced Wii Fit Trainer, I was like, oh my god, you're missing such an opportunity here. <laughs> Imagine if you'd had the Wii Fit board as that character. Oh it could god, do right? all the same things. And like, it was so much more animated. Like, he was like on the screen saying, okay, let's go do this next. It would move around and made noises. Way more interesting than some yoga instructor. <laughs> you know? Right, exactly. So like, my diehard argument is Wii Fit Trainer should have been the Wii Fit board. <laughs> should have like Wii Fitboard combined with a VR headset that's that's the new world of gaming there you yeah exactly I mean, I like have, like mocap and, and VR experiences like that but I mean it all started with the Wii Fitboard right exactly yeah I had to begin somewhere I'd be, I'd be like like VR headsets now I've been starting to dabble into the world of VR purely for like work reasons um but I put on a headset and then like five minutes later I bought super hot and Beat Saber like personally and mm. yeah fantastic games and all the rest but even now like and they're like that's amazing and even now like people are adding on to it like people have got like these like haptic vests they can wear to like feel impacts in the game and like even like sort of these weird treadmill things where like you take a step and it kind of brings your foot back to the center i'm not yes, quite sure of the science of those that. and you can like run but, in any direction can't you exactly like we're 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 really 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 living in the future when <laughs> you look at stuff right. like that it's really quite amazing um, and it's 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 funny to see like games as an innovator, both like artistically and then like technologically, business from a business perspective as well. Like in the entertainment industry, I think games make more than double every other sector. Um, yeah, it's and huge. Then, like, and I mean, even if you're not inter- interested in games as much, 
like being able to put a VR headset on and, and have a treadmill that makes you run in any direction. That's so cool. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Games, that's amazing. Yeah. It's fascinating. Like, in, like people are looking at Ready Player One, you know, the sort of almost apocalyptic future yeah. um, and going like, oh, wow, like, oh, it's so sci-fi so far in the future. And at least, of course, we're not, we're not having entire worlds to explore in VR and all the rest. We don't have an oasis quite yet. But um, like that technology, you can nearly argue, exists today. Maybe not quite as refined, but it's there, you know, like it the bones there. of it are there. And it's very interesting. Very interesting to see because Ready Player One was written like a good while ago, as I recall. Yeah. Um, I might be I might be misremembering, but if if VR was around, um, I I would believe that it was in its very early stages, you know. Um, I'm definitely not looking up when Ready Player One was uh, written. I feel like, as I say that now, because I know it's inspired by a lot of stuff from the 80s and 90s, but I feel like it might have been written in like 2013 or something, actually. So it might be more recent than I realized. But even oh, still, 2013, like, like... Oh, even, even earlier. And like, so in the decade that it's been, look how much VR technology has changed. It's gone from this sort of like niche thing to... Like, it's this big thing now, like, markets are predicting it's going to be the thing that takes off in the next, like, in this coming decade, the VR technology is really going to hit its stride. Um, yeah, and, like, I, I, to to draw to loop back to the tangent before we went off on it, I think Nintendo had a big part to play in that with, like, the Wii and starting to explore, like, play through motion rather than play by input, you know? Yes, because so. it's, it's almost like the... Um... Is it Ring Fit now that they've got with Ring their... Fit Adventure, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like a different take on games, and I think it's what draws more, probably more parents into it because it's incorporating like physical movement with games as well. So it's not just like mm. you're not just sat doing it. That's it. Parents can understand physical movement. That being yeah. said, I did try to. Sorry, parents. Parents. People who play videos because I know I have friends whose parents play games, and that's so weird to me. But anyway, like I'm happy for it. I'm like almost kind of jealous that I don't have that. But like I was there. I remember trying to play. Like there was an on rails. What was it called? Dark Side Chronicles. Resident Evil. Dark Side Chronicles. On rails. Resident Evil game. Clearly not the best in the series by any stretch of the imagination. The format is completely different. I enjoy it personally. Not a lot of people do, but that's just me. Um, but I tried to play that with my dad. And I'm like, okay, so, you know, this controller, pretend it's a gun. And you're pointing it at the monsters and you're shooting the monsters. And you can explain that to someone. And the average person might, like, take a second to try to figure it out. And, like, okay, so the sensor bar and I got a point like that. And shit. Okay, grand. And then I gave it to my dad, and like he's winging the remote all over the place, <laughs> mashing the shoe. Like the sensor isn't even on the screen. Um, he's just shooting like the corners, going, "I don't get this. What's happening? I don't understand." So, yeah, I'm thinking maybe fitness games might be the way to go with them. Stuff that isn't like so very high pressure and like a zombie's going to eat you. It's more like here's here's a hula hoop, you know, or go for a run. My dad likes runnings. <laughs> Yes, it's like a, there's this app called Run Zombies or something. Or zom zombies, no, zombies Run. run. Yeah. Zombies Run. And that's so I used to fun. Use that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I used to I use it as well. And it, it really did freak me out a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> if you were like... like North Yorkshire. And so there was just fields and sometimes people weren't around. And I genuinely would get really into it and then be like, oh my God, there's really zombies after me. I need to get home. Yeah, like they had that feature where... Like, if you weren't keeping up a certain pace, you'd start to hear, like, snarls and groans, yes, like, coming louder. into your music. So and yeah, scary. And, yeah, I was the same. But, like, I started running faster when those came in, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for, for those who don't know, Zombies Run is, like, a, a fitness app, basically, but it tells a narrative about as you're in a zombie apocalypse and you, the more you physically run, you go and collect, like, supplies and you check in and it, you, um, you progress the story as it goes. But it's... Uh, it was really fun. I, I actually really enjoyed Zombies Run. I might re-download it and try and get back yeah. into it. <laughs> it's, 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 I remember I paid, I like bought the app initially, but with the, excuse me, with the passage of time and all the rest of it, it's turned into like a, what you call it, like a subscription thing now where you can sign yeah, up and get access to all the content. Lot, yeah, so it's, it's come a long way from when I first started using it. But yeah, I would heartily recommend it too. It's great if you're looking for a little extra sort of incentive to get into exercise. And I like that, those sort of... I've been getting more into them now, like uh, mobile games, which I never really would have played in the past. But uh, Becky got me to download Pokemon Go again, and I've been playing that. I've actually gotten really into Pokemon Go again now. It's come a long way from when it first came out. And yeah. like I've got a phone that can actually play it. So... Um, Right, like 
So I have a phone that it can play it without turning into like a thermonuclear device. Uh, <laughs> and that's really appreciated. Like if I was ever dying of frost, I'd launch Pokemon Go on an old phone, you know, and that'd keep me going. Um, yes. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's come a long way. There's so many more features now. Um, they do like regular events and updates and they're always introducing new Pokemon from like whatever region is the new, the laser. I think it's, I think the english kind of region the one inspired by english Sinnoh is it called i think it might be the latest reach i don't know I, as you can tell i'm not as into pokemon as my sister but uh <laughs> yeah so pokemon go has a lot of stuff coming in and then like for a more relaxed walking experience because pokemon go is based on distance there's one based on steps for pikmin and i love pikmin i grew up playing pikmin uh pikmin 2 i think i started with i went back and played the first pikmin but i'm the kind of guy who if a single pikmin dies i'm like no okay that's it we're resetting the day you know they're all too adorable i can't bear yeah. to lose any of these <laughs> little guys they're too cute um so yeah i'd be playing like pikmin 2 or whatever and i saw that pikmin is coming out for a mobile game and pokemon is all about okay now you've got this battle system and you can like compete in gyms and blah blah pikmin is just hey yeah uh, you know go for a walk plant some flowers grow some Pikmin, you know, give them pollen to plant more flowers and you'll make friends and they can run off and get you little like, gifts and stuff. Much Sounds more, delightful. Yeah, it's much more like Pokemon Go is a game, whereas I would say Pikmin Bloom is like an advanced like meditation app almost. Nice. Uh, that still encourages a level of walking. It's by the same developer, but like their whole thing in promoting it was this is nowhere near as like involved as pokemon go this is something you can sort of launch take a look at in the morning it'll tell you how many steps you've done at the end of the day it even allows for like journaling so you can make little notes as to how your day was it even lets you put in the emotion happy sad or neutral or whatever I like that though it's just kind of like a nice reason to check in with yourself isn't it exactly yeah i found it to be much more of a mindfulness app than a game but also it's a mindfulness app with Pikmin in it, and I like Pikmin. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's how you sell mindfulness to a gamer. <laughs> Absolutely. I've uh, I've got heavily into just like more puzzle-based mobile games at the moment. Just like there's a <laughs> it's really it's really sad. It's just like there's um a bunch of test tubes and they've all got different colored liquids in and you have to unmix them and they all sit on top of each other. And for some reason, it's not even that like good of a game it's just really relaxing and soothing to do mm. while i do something else so like i'm on the tube listening to music i'll just try and untangle some colors <laughs> i do that now when i'm traveling i've gotten very big back into tetris yeah which oh i love tetris and tetris is an interesting one because you'll fire away at tetris and you won't be thinking much of it and then you'll like read this like scientific data by like this professor saying oh tetris is really great for you know if you're suffering with memory problems pay play tetris if you know you've been involved in a car accident and you're in shock play tetris you know like yeah, all this it's all about, about ptsd how, isn't there yeah exactly it's all about like tetris is great for like giving your mind a task to do and as a result it helps your mind process things a lot health a lot more healthily but i'm there like it's getting to the point and the more i learned about tetris the more i'm like oh you know your wife left you oh play tetris oh you know you've lost your foot play tetris you know you've won the lot of play tetris just just play tetris let's if they if i could give anyone any life advice from like a scientific <laughs> basis apparently play tetris <laughs> yeah i mean what have you got to lose really <laughs> exactly you know oh, man. oh amazing um so <laughs> let's just end it on a, a, a different note um, yeah. we've been talking a lot about games that are wonderful and probably mm. not so much related to mental health but do you have any games that you have found good mental health representation in or you feel have been really good thematically wise uh, for mental health that you've played that you resonate with um, I suppose I can come at this for two angles there's one in so far, I'll just I'll, a quick shout out. I suppose maybe my team would appreciate it. Um, I'm actually making a game for the first time ever. I'm taking part in a very Ooh. small game. I'm taking part in a very small game jam, and I have no transferable skills into the world of actually making a game apart from writing. So um, I uh, we're writing a game that it folks uh, focuses on uh, the sort of relationship between carer and like re the person receiving care. Carry, I don't think is a word. Um, but like sort of we're we were, ma we're making a very small game that sort of examines the relationship between care and carry 
a lot of people assume that like it's a very one-way relationship but like speaking as someone who's grown up with a sibling with special needs um it's very much a give and take relationship like becky has given so much to my life while i've also like looked after her like it's people look at you and like oh you must be so brave while you're taking on a burden i'm like no i'm not you know like sure i'm her carer but at the end of the day I'm her brother as well, you know, and we'll always have that relationship. And she's one of the most important people in my life. And I don't see it as me sacrificing anything to be, to be like taking my, because in the future, like when God, God forbid, but when my parents go on and all the rest of it, I very much see myself as the person who'll be in her life looking after, like she doesn't need too much looking after, but at the end of the day, realistically, she at least needs someone in the house with her. So like, that's where I see myself being is always being there to support her. But, um, yeah, so sorry, I'm going off topic and getting emotional. But um, no, we're, make, we're making a game that examines those relationships. Now, it's only going to be a very tiny thing on itch.io, but um, I'm, using, I'm using that as a sort of area to explore a few different um, sort of care relationships and with people with different com- uh, conditions. So like there's a character inspired by Becky. There's a couple of characters inspired by two of my friends who have Asperger's syndrome. So we're using them to kind of showcase how two people with the same condition can still be quite different you know, sort of dispelling the whole Sheldon Cooper Big Bang Theory, which, you know, great show, funny character, but he's not a very accurate representation of Asperger's Syndrome. Um, but I digress. And then we have a character who is based off of a cousin of mine who is non-verbal and, like, doesn't like to physical touch and all that kind of thing. And how you manage a relationship with someone who, like, will only communicate to you through, like, body language rather than by speaking. But, yeah, so keep an eye out for that, I suppose. I don't know, but um, it's no, only, it'll only be a very small that, thing. That... That's fascinating because not many games think about that sort of representation. So I'm very yeah. interested to see when that comes out. Uh, oh, thank you. I'll, I'll send you a link to it. But again, that's that's where I'm kind of tweaking going. Maybe I do have a bit of a, a future here in, in like writing in games one day because like the team I'm working with, all wonderful people. So shout out to the team Go Care Bears, as we named ourselves. Um, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, 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 I incorporate bear into myself. Like, my name is Terry Bear here on the Discord and all the rest of it. Bear is my favorite animal. It sort of became my nickname in college. I love bears. But anyway, uh, they're all these amazing, talented people who are like great programmers, amazing artists. And I'm just kind of there as a writer and I'm put, putting these little scripts together. And they're there going, oh my God, that's fantastic. I wouldn't, would never have thought to do something like that. And I'm there like, Oh, wow. Like, I never really recognized, you know, what value I had to add from, like, a narrative perspective. I was like, writing is something for, like, big famous, you know, authors or whatever. But really, yeah, no, I think I think anyone can write. I um, agree. I agree. Especially but, um, if you've in, got experience about the thing that you're writing about. Like, there's nothing exactly. that can be more authentic than that. That's true. And I think that's why, I guess, maybe that's why I'm getting so many compliments, because it's coming from a very authentic place. But to actually answer your question with a proper answer, games that I think uh, look at mental health and sort of the relationship there very well. That definitely was a proper answer, because that's so fascinating, but yes. (laughs) Um, What I would say as well there is, to go back on it, Disco Elysium, um, Mm. where I'm not sure if you've played it yourself, but I, um, I really do want to, and it's been on my wish list for a while. I just haven't had the time to get around to it. It is a fantastic game where your character, like, in their mind, their mind is literally broken up into different aspects. Like, uh, you can be, there's four different sort of, like, say, strength or whatever, and then, like, subclasses based off of that. Like, you can be, I think, an emotional cop, an intelligent cop, a um like a fast cop or a strong cop effectively those are the four kind of key areas and they all break down into like if you're a strong cop uh you're also very prideful and you know you kind of want to fight everyone and show that you're the strongest person in the room a little bit toxic but i, I think that's kind of the point of what it's trying to illustrate mm-hmm. um if you're a strong cop um you have a higher pain threshold so like if someone shoots you you can kind of keep standing up rather than falling down if that happens in the narrative like if you're a fast cop, you'll notice things quicker. You've like good sense of hearing. You can see things, all that kind of thing. If you're an emotional cop, which is what I played as because it kind of resonated with me, you have a very high like level of empathy. And in talking to people, like you think emotional cop, oh, he's just going to cry at everything. No, emotional cop means when you're talking to people, you're able to pick up on things that other people wouldn't pick up on. Like if they like, freeze at a certain word or like they stumble over themselves or like you know they have a habit like as an emotional cop someone who has empathy you can pick up on how they're feeling about things as they say which informs your investigation going like you're saying this but you're like you're clearly you don't feel so convinced about but that is a very interesting game about 
an insight into mental health because you play as a character who has amnesia but still has all these problems from like a bad history that affects their mental health like your character can't explain it but it's later revealed uh you were like you you know you had a lover at some point and you just don't remember the relationship that you had but it's very clear that that relationship left a very heavy impact in like in its absence when it ended and that like he still suffers even though he doesn't know who she is what her name is or anything he still knows that he's suffering personally because of the loss of that relationship and then at that as well he's a recovering alcoholic or i suppose I played him as a recovering alcoholic. You can have him drinking everything around him if you want to. But um, mm. like he's someone who suffers from addiction is probably a more accurate way to say that. And uh, you can help him recover from addiction or you can just engage with addiction like and get the perks that comes with it. But, you know, you're destroying a man's sort of body as a result uh, in the short term. And then, like, I suppose what the value that purpose gives someone like moving forward and trying to solve this case and then i suppose the value of friendship as well because you have kim kitsuragi who is the sort of he's a detective from another precinct who's been like assigned to work with you on this case and you falling apart and everything going horrible in your life and whatever kim is the polar opposite he is very much he's like if a cop was a part like well i said that that sounds like i'm saying cops are people but if the job description of police officer was a person he is like he's punctual he shows up he interrogates people he's very by the book he writes everything down in a notebook uh but even at that even though he's a completely different person the value of the relationship between those two people is highlighted and how I suppose, again, you can become enemies. It's a very dynamic game. But, like, I explored becoming a friend with him, and, like, he becomes your best friend, even though you're two very different people. Um, he can see that you're struggling in different areas mentally, and it's something expressed so beautifully in dialogue where you can be, like, like reading a note or something, and you can start breaking down, and it's just something like writing something as simple as J- uh, Kim places a hand on your shoulder and says, okay, detective, look, come on, let's, let's go do something else now or whatever. So... I suppose how it examines mental health and just like such a human experience, the way it approaches it. Um, and then just yeah. the effects rather than just kind of hitting you on the head with it and going, Oh, and his mental health is crap and this and that. It's such an organic experience of this one person's mental health. And then how his world around him factors into it. It's a fantastic experience. So again, I mean, it's hard to find people who don't like Disco Elysium when they play it, but uh, I would hardly recommend playing Disco Elysium to anyone who is looking for a very strong story-driven experience where you, I guess you can build a cop to how you want to build them. Uh, so lots of funny moments as well. It has its own universe, like its own phenomena and all that kind of thing. Very interesting. Uh, and really, it's a game that definitely leaves an impact on you. Um, oh, I love that. I, I love games that leave you with options to be able to kind of grow your character how you want to because mm. that's the thing where I think people find most personal connection with them is if you you pick the choices that you would have picked and see how that plays out and then you mm. can go back and replay it again and see the the opposite effects and, and things like that. yeah so I've done I've done a cop who like was was very kind to everyone around him wanted the best for like the the working man all that kind of thing and like stayed away like realized he was an addict and focused on recovery and built his relationship with his officer and went out of his way to like solve this case and be the best cop he could be and i'm there like and now that i've done that i should do just a complete opposite playthrough of this man just continuing to actively destroy his life (laughs) and like being like you being a flat-out racist being like sexist (laughs) like again like just become the most toxic man alive and like down any substance you can get your hands on and like are we going to work on the case what case <laughs> well, that's the thing like i can never bring myself to play that that character because it's so hard to do it's i know so difficult i feel so guilty when i play it and then i just like even like it, the, the walking dead game the telltale game if i pick oh, the wrong game. option by accident i feel terrible i feel yeah. awful and like undertale there's an option to play the genocide route yes great example yeah you feel like a shell of a human being when you've done that and i can't bring Mm. myself to do it it's also incredibly difficult when you get to the end oh Um, yeah sans i think is the hardest boss fight in the game i've never done the genocide route i've never even watched anyone do it i've just heard bits watch someone else do it because it it hurt my soul to try it myself (laughs) oh i I couldn't like one thing i heard that breaks my heart about that is how it starts from like monsters encountering you 
to like it's implied to the gameplay that it turns from like monsters attacking you to you're attacking monsters and like they're trying to evacuate yeah. the world and get everyone away from you and you're just like jesus that's yeah, you become terrifying the monster, yeah exactly it's, it's, yeah. especially if you play the the route first where you um the pacifist route or even like the neutral mm. route where you you learn to love all of these characters and then you just and then destroy you're just them killing all. them yeah, yeah. it's it's There's... terrible. I'm gonna have to put a spoiler alert in uh, <laughs> in this oh, yeah. as well. But my goodness, what a game! Oh, um, anyway, I could talk about this. I so could I. So we probably should. <laughs> I love it. But um, <laughs> let's oh, let's wrap up for now. But oh my gosh, what a conversation! This has been a delight. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, very glad to be a part of it. Thank you for having me. Oh, no, thank you for, for joining us. Um, it's It's been an absolute pleasure. And I, I hope uh, those listening have enjoyed us going off on like 10 minute tangents about Wii Fit and, <laughs> and things like that. Because <laughs> uh, it's brilliant. So, uh, Adam, where can people find you? Um, well, given that I'm not going to see too many people coming out to like a remote... Uh, Irish middle of nowhere with a lot of cows around. Generally, uh, if you can see a lot of cows around, there's a good chance I'm somewhere nearby. But, um, fucking, yeah, where, where can you find me? It's a good question, I suppose. Uh, my Twitter is at Gaelgebear. Uh, Gaelge is the Irish word for Irish. Uh, that is spelled G A E I L G E, then bear, like the animal, just because, again, I like bears. And Terry Bear was taken <laughs> on. So uh, I became oh, Gaelgebear. No. So. Yeah, Gail Guevara on Twitter. Um, do I have any really other social channels? Yeah, so it, it's sometimes related to video games, so, you know, worth a look. But, yeah, so at Gail Guevara, Um I guess you can put that in the description or something. I don't know. Um, Fabulous. Yes. No, absolutely yeah. will. But you can get in touch with you at Game If You Are as well. So that's uh, that's perfect. I will link that as well. <laughs> but thanks so much for coming on. Um, and for those listening, if you're struggling, please know that you're not alone. There is a lot of support out there. And if you're looking for somewhere to start, please do visit our website at safeonourworld.org to find a list of global helplines and a bunch of information about feelings and symptoms and games and all of that good stuff. So thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Safe Space and we will see you next time. Bye.